Welcome to the Excuse My African podcast. My name is Stella Damasis and I am your host. Join me as I take you on a journey through the eyes of a misrepresented and misunderstood African girl abroad. In this episode, I will talk about Me Too Africa. In 2013, um, I was still back home in Nigeria with my family. And um, one day we heard about a lady called Essie Walters. Essie Walters is someone who came out and accused a pastor, um, Pastor Biodu Fatoibo. Um, he was a pastor of a church called Koza of rape. And at that time, you know, social media wasn't as effective as it is today. It wasn't even as um, majorly used for things like that. So she came out and it was like she was a lone voice. Nobody listened to her. You know, she was fighting a battle alone, but she was fighting with a powerful and influential man who had resources, who had connections, who knew people and everything. And later we just heard that she was paid off and we didn't hear anything about the incident anymore. And then the tables were turned. The story started coming out that she was a bad person. She was dating the pastor. She was this, she was that. And we didn't have details at that time because, like I said, social media wasn't as functional as it is today. So we just let it go, you know. Fast forward to 2018, a musician, a very popular, influential, very talented musician, Timmy Dakolo, came out and accused the same pastor of doing certain things to different female members of his church. And at that time, I was already in America with my family. I was very confused. I didn't have the details, so I couldn't say much. I didn't understand exactly what was going on. And, you know, it went back and forth for a few weeks and everything just died down. And then this year came, 2019. This same musician came up again and said more people have come to him, you know, calling this man out by name, not being afraid. And then there was a lot of backlash. When I say backlash, backlash hit the fan. And then people started talking about his wife for some strange reason. And he never mentioned his wife. He never mentioned the names of anyone because apparently the females who complained to him or who took their accusations, you know, to him didn't want to be named. They wanted to be anonymous. So people started talking about his wife, about her past and all of that. And I started getting interested in this story. I'm like, what's going on here? I don't, I don't get it. And then I realized that his wife now decided to grant an interview to Why Niger. She granted this interview was on YouTube. We all watched it. She told a full detailed story of how she was raped twice by this same man. And when I say full detailed story, by day, names of people, places, things that happened, what they were doing, what he was doing, who was around, she had details. Now, the thing that shocked me wasn't the video that she did or her interview. The thing that shocked me the most was the response to that video of people asking stupid questions as far as I'm concerned about why it took her so long to come out and speak up. That really pissed me off because I understood exactly what she was saying. So I made a video of my own. And in my video, I said that I believed her because of some of the words she had used, you know, when she was describing how the rapist did what he did to her, you know. And I said, I had heard those words before they were said to me, but I was very lucky. I wasn't raped because I was much older and wiser. So I knew how to handle it. I wasn't raped, but those words were ringing in my ears like I was hearing them afresh because I heard those words before. 
the system, the pattern, the strategy that's used to get a young girl's, you know, innocent mind and all of that to be twisted and all of that to be brainwashed. So you're quiet, you don't speak and everything. I could identify with that. So I made my video. I'm not going to bore you with all the details. My video is on my Instagram TV and it's also on my YouTube channel, the Stella Damascus channel. And I spoke my heart. And of course, I got my fair share of backlash of people saying, um, why don't you want to name names? Why did you wait this long? Why did you wait for someone else to speak before making a video like this? Why are you supporting her? She's this, she's that. And they said a lot of crap. Then another victim came out. And this time she said, people are saying the first lady who came out was seeking attention. Now I don't want attention. Do not show my face. And she gave her own detailed interview about this same person. Now, the positive side of this whole thing that I'm, I'm sharing with you is the fact that Africa is beginning to open their eyes. Nigerians are beginning to stand up for the rights of women and young girls. And then people started posting things about young girls that were defiled, sodomized. I saw an article about a guy that was really, really, really brutalized and sodomized by a spiritual leader. He had to even do surgery to fix the inner part of his body. It was madness. But there was a huge protest in front of that church and they demanded for the pastor to step down until the investigation was done and all the legal things were, you know, sorted out. I was very pleased to hear that the pastor actually obeyed and stepped down whilst all the investigation is ongoing because we know how it usually happens in my country and in Africa, you know. All these things are swept under the carpet because the person involved is influential is very you know connected to people high up there and all of that but now people have said no social media has turned a lot of things around because the mobilization for the protest was done on social media all the reports all the things that we're hearing they were all on social media which i was very pleased about and then in the midst of all of this we saw a cctv footage of a senator alicia abu who assaulted a young woman because the woman said, take it easy. He was having a transaction in a store. I don't care what he was buying. I don't care who he, who he was with. But the fact that the woman just said three words, take it easy. And that provoked a man to beat her up. And we all saw it. And he came out and gave a stupid public apology as, as far as I'm concerned. And the public went nuts and said, we don't care about your apology. We care that the Lord takes his course. We care that you step down from being a senator and you be dealt with accordingly. Now, I am happy about all of this because it's not just happening in Nigeria. A lot of things are happening all over Africa and young girls and, and women are beginning to understand the meaning of their rights and the need for them to stand up just like the women in America had to do. Now, I'm getting this report from CNN and it's talking about rape and sexual assaults. Three women have accused Gambia's ex-president Yaya Jame of carrying out a series of rapes and sexual assaults while in power. According to Human Rights Watch and Trial International, a group that advocates for crime victims. The organizations allege that Jame used his aides to pressure women to visit him in his private residence where he would sexually abuse them, according to a statement from Human Rights Watch. Yaya Jame treated Gambian women like his personal property. And that's what they're saying. The accusation came to the New York Times with an interview with former president's alleged victims. Jame was Gambia's leader from 1994 to 2016. He took power in a military coup but suffered a surprise election defeat to Adama Baro in December 2016. He's currently living in exile in Equatorial Guinea and they've tried to reach him but he's not responding. Now, the one that broke the camel's back that I'm really excited about was one of his victims that came up 
a Gambian beauty pageant winner who accused Yaya Jame of raping her four years ago. This is the latest allegation of human rights abuses committed by the ex-president now living in exile in Equatorial Guinea. Fatou Jallo, who is now 23, made an announcement to journalists and said she plans to testify later this year before Gambia's Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which is investigating abuses committed under the Jami regime. The dictator of 22 years is accused of ordering opponents tortured, jailed, and killed. Now, the sexual abuse allegations raised by Jallo and others directly implicate him in personally committing violence against Gambians. Jallo and other young women interviewed by Human Rights Watch say that the president was a sexual predator who coerced young women into sexual relationships by promising scholarships and even putting some of them on the, on the state payroll. Jame is reportedly living a lavish but reclusive lifestyle in exile in Equatorial Guinea, where he's protected from extradition by the dictator in charge of the oil-rich country. Jallo, who wanted to come forward publicly, said that the president began lavishing gifts on her and her family after meeting her when she was crowned queen of the Miss July 22nd pageant as an 18-year-old back in 2014. Jame took a special interest in her, she said, ordering the utility company to install running water at her mother's home and having his cousin purchase the family's expensive furniture. While initially he expressed interest in funding her charity project, she said that Jame later asked for her hand in marriage. After she declined, he told her that as the pageant winner, she had to attend an event at his official residence, his state house, ahead of the holy month of Ramadan. Once there, she said she was locked in a room and drugged by the president himself. Does this sound familiar? This girl was drugged by the president. He told me, no woman has ever rejected me. And who do you think you are? She said. His face changed. His eyes were so red, different from the man before. He said, no woman rejects me. You think you can get away with it? And then he said, if you make any move, I will kill you with my own hands. The president then drugged her, shoved his genitals in her face, and then proceeded to rape her before she blacked out. Several days later, she told her family she was going to the market to shop, and she fled. She didn't go back home. She went straight to Senegal. Jamel later lost the 2016 election to now President Adama Barrow. After initially refusing to accept his defeat, Jame succumbed to international pressure, stepped down from office, and fled to Equatorial Guinea. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission does not have the powers to prosecute, but will make recommendations for the Attorney General Chambers to act on a number of cases that may be taken up with the court. Jame for now remains untouchable in exile. It's going to take a lot of heavy political lifting to pry him out of Equatorial Guinea. And that's what the Human Rights Watch people are saying. But Jalo, who later received asylum in Canada, says she is undergoing therapy and hopes other young women victimized by Jame will come forward. Nobody discusses rape. And yes, she's scared. That's what she's saying. I am scared, but I want the next person after me to be a little less scared than me. And she is willing to testify. Now, this happened in Gambia. I can imagine other parts of the world. I have received different messages from emails to DMs to voice notes of girls crying, saying nobody believes them, nobody listens to them, they don't know how to come out, it's been too long, they don't have any proof, they, don't, they feel so bad, it's affected their relationships and their marriages. The stories are endless. I'm trying to seek out a way to put all of this together 
for the world to see what's been happening and what should happen, what the solution should be. But I can tell you one thing, and that is the fact that I am happy to witness this revolution. Women should use this opportunity to know their rights and stand up for their daughters. Believe your children. Africans are beginning to understand the women and young girls, understand the fact that we matter. So, to that I am saying, welcome to a new era. Welcome to Me Too Africa. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I hope you'll join me again for the next one. You can contact me via email, excusemyafrican at gmail.com, or visit the website, excusemyafrican.com, for more details. Remember to stay positive and give love.